A question asked courageously, answered honestly, and lived authentically can change your whole life. For me, that question was, how can I use what I have, what I love, and what I know to bless the lives of others? The School for Good Living and this podcast are one answer to that question. Hi, I'm Brian Miller. I know that the world can work for everyone, but that it won't until it works for you. I've created this to help you make the difference you were born to make. It's a series of conversations with thought leaders who are moving humanity forward. And in each episode, I explore their lives and the work they do. I also ask them to break down how they've gotten their books written, published, and read. This podcast is all about exploring the magic and mystery, and sometimes the misery, of the creative process. So if you have a mission, a message, and the motivation to share it, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the School for Good Living. Hello, my friends. Today, my guest is Hal Elrod. Hal is on a mission to elevate the consciousness of humanity, one morning at a time. Hal is the author of one of the highest rated best-selling books in the world, The Miracle Morning, which has now been translated into 27 languages, has more than 2,000 five-star Amazon reviews, and is practiced daily by more than 2 million people in 70 plus countries around the world. Hal actually died at age 20 when he was hit head-on by a drunk driver at 70 miles per hour. His heart stopped for six minutes, he broke 11 bones, Amazing, it was only 11. And he eventually woke up from a coma to be told by doctors that he would never walk again. Not only did he walk, he went on to run a 52-mile ultramarathon and became a Hall of Fame business achiever before the age of 30. Then, in November 2016, Hal nearly died again when his kidneys, lungs, and heart were on the verge of failing after he was diagnosed with a rare and aggressive form of cancer Hal has written not only The Miracle Morning, but about 10 books in this series, including The Miracle Morning for Teachers, The Miracle Morning for Salespeople. There's one for real estate agents, one for network marketers, one for writers, one for college students, one for couples, one for parents and families. You get the idea. I will tell you, I read it. I loved this book and I really enjoyed this conversation with Hal. I took away a lot. One thing I'll say is that a lot of books have some clever device, a mnemonic or some kind of acronym that they try to build themselves around. And some of them are okay, some of them are kind of garbage in my view. This one is actually really solid. And it's Savers. Now in this interview, we don't tell you what that is. You'll have to Google it or buy the book, which is worth your time, I think. But any one of these six things that those letters stand for could change your life. And to do every single one every day, every morning is a way to start your day, can definitely change your whole life. In this interview, Hal shares how to become a morning person something I would have been skeptical or reluctant to do years ago, but I've done it, what he suggests, and it works. Uh, Hal talks about the fact that the miracle morning isn't about waking up early, it's about waking up better. Putting yourself in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state first thing in the morning, you know, that sounds like a bunch of marketing speak perhaps, but I invite you to listen to Hal, give his message a chance, and realize that this can take as little as six minutes. In this interview, Hal shares a number of other practical ideas like how to beat the snooze button. We talk about how difficult it can be to make change in our lives, and Hal shares some ideas and some insights that I believe can help make it easier to achieve a lasting change. Hal shares a perspective on choices that I thought was just profound. And although you can listen to the interview and hear what what he says, the gist of it is, and this he says is his most popular social media post of all time, 
which I can see why. What you're doing is far less important than who you're becoming. I'll just leave you with this. Hal shares that in school he was a C&D student, never played sports, wasn't an athlete, wasn't popular, got picked on a lot, struggled with fear, insecurity, and self-doubt, as I know we all do at times. But in this interview, Hal shares his incredible life journey, recovering from that crash, being diagnosed with leukemia, and coming back from a major financial setback in his life. So the things that Hal shares could sound like a bunch of flowery BS coming from maybe many other people, but Hal is somebody who walks the talk, lives what he teaches, practices what he preaches. I think that you, if you haven't read this book already, that you would really enjoy it. And I hope you enjoy this interview. You can visit, you can find Hal Elrod on the web at halelrod.com or at miraclemorning.com. With that, enjoy. Hal, welcome to the School for Good Living. Brian, it is truly an honor to be here, man. It, it's a privilege. I, anytime I get to share a message with an audience, uh, I, I consider it a privilege. So thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, thank you. Hal, what's life about? <laughs> Dang, you just went right there off the bat. I love it. Oh, Bam. Um, what is life about? Uh, life is about, for, to me, it's about enjoying every moment. You could say loving the life that you have while you are actively becoming the best version of yourself and creating the most extraordinary life you can imagine. So to me, it's kind of the two where I think a lot of people delay that first part of loving the life they have and enjoying every moment. They think that, well, once my life's better, once I have more money, once I have a family, once I get a job, you know, they, they, they put off like true happiness and fulfillment to some point in the future. Like then I'll, I'll, I can be happy. And I think that we see that with a lot of celebrities that that, that doesn't work where, uh, and not all celebrities, but, but I think you see enough of people or even not just celebrities, but millionaires, successful people where they went through their entire life with this goal, this dream, they were achievers. And they thought, man, once I become a famous actor, then I'll be happy. I'll be like, that's the life of my dreams. Yeah. Um, but they never really learned how to love the life that they had while they were on that journey. And so when they finally got everything they ever wanted, they went, wait a minute, happiness isn't in this. And a lot of those celebrities or successful people in all walks of life turned to drugs or alcohol. Uh, and, and sadly, some, if not many, turned to suicide, you know, yeah. because they thought that happiness was somewhere out there. And so for me, it's about waking up and enjoying every moment, literally every moment, including the challenging and difficult ones. And we can go into that. But as you know, yeah. I've been through some very challenging, difficult moments. And I chose to be the happiest and most grateful I had ever been in my entire life while I went through the most difficult times in my life. And I think we have to understand that it's not mutually exclusive. It's not, well, if things are going good, I feel good. If they're yeah. going bad, I feel bad. No, 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 no. When things are going bad, I'm going to feel good about everything I have to feel good about, which is a limitless supply of stuff, right? That we can feel good about and grateful for. And that will make the challenges, the adversity, the, the difficulties of my life that much more manageable and that much easier to move through and, and get to the other side of them. I think that's an amazing answer. And here's the thing, that could sound like a bunch of conceptual gobbledygook coming from many people, but how, you know, people who've read your book or know your story, they know you have faced incredible adversity, having been an incredible head-on crash, having been diagnosed as dead for six minutes, right? Having gone through a major financial catastrophe years later, having successfully dealt with cancer, 
I mean, like major, major things that if anybody else just said, well, life is about appreciating and enjoying every moment, it could sound like total crap. Sure. I think coming from you, it has a different quality or a different resonance. Well, and I I honestly, I feel like when I give a speech, I tell people like, you don't have to go through what I went through to get the lesson. In fact, I believe that's why I don't know. I don't know why I I've been had these things put in front of me, these, you know, life and death adversities, but I've chosen, you know, there's that adage, right? Everything happens for a reason. And usually when someone tells you that you're going through some stuff and you're some, you know, and you're like, shut up, right? Like, I I don't want to hear that, you know? Totally, totally. So my belief, my paradigm, my perspective is everything does happen for a reason, but not the way that most of us have been conditioned to think about it, which is where we're searching for the reason outside of ourselves. Yeah. Why, God? Why did this happen to me? Why? What? You know, I don't understand. I don't deserve this. I'm a good person. We have this victim mentality as we're searching for reasons. So my distinction on that, my spin on that is I believe everything happens for a reason, but it is our responsibility to consciously actively and intentionally choose the reasons for the challenges and adversity in our lives. And we can either choose reasons that defeat us and discourage us or reasons that encourage us and they give us a sense of purpose. And from that place of purpose, from those reasons that we choose that build us up, that empower us, that enrich our lives, we can overcome our challenges and then we can pay it forward and help those that we love and those that we lead do the same. It's so remarkable. And again, it's it's relatively easy to say, but what happens, I think, is that every one of us is ultimately faced with that responsibility, whether or not we embrace it. You know, we have that choice every moment of every day, in every circumstance, every event, you know, every relationship, right? Like all of these things. And part of what I love about your story, and for anybody that hasn't read you know, starting, and I know it wasn't your first book, but it's the first book of yours I read, The Miracle Morning, right? And these six practices with the acronym SAVERS that, that um, if anybody hasn't read, I want to invite them to join the community of more than 2 million people in 100 countries, right, that do this on a regular basis, which I've been around the personal development world for a long time. And shame on me for not having read your book you know, <laughs> until recently. Sorry, totally forgiven, totally forgiven. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> but I love that these six practices you know, as you say, and I think it's totally true that any one of these things, if people do, and this is a teaser, you got to Google it, pick up the book for yourself, that any one of these things could change your entire life. And doing all six is like supercharging, you know, the quality of your life or the changes in your life. But the thing I just want to jump into on this is you talked about not having been a morning person. In fact, to say you were not a morning person prior to this would have been a gross understatement. Sure. But one of the things in your story that touched me so deeply is the fact that it was a choice that you chose. And I think we don't like to admit that change in many cases actually is as simple as deciding and really committing. Yeah. But I think you've proved that. But what do you say to people that think, oh, it can't be that easy? Do you mean uh, change in general or specific diving in on kind of that morning routine, morning person, not a morning person thing. Yeah. Thanks for distinguishing. I would say, I mean, in general, but this example that I read in your book, you saying was you chose to become a morning person. Yeah. Well, well, so let's do that. Let's start with that and then broaden it to like, how do you make any change in your life? Right. Um, Because I will tell you this, uh, I've done this work for, well, on myself for 20 years, but publicly for like 10 years. And, uh, you know, even recently, um, as I'm trying to learn more from my community on what do you want, what do you need versus me just putting stuff out and going, here's what I think you want and need. I'm trying to, you know, Ryan Levesque has uh, his ask method book, right? Which is like, don't, don't just create products and programs for people assuming 
ask them what they want and need and then solve their need, right? So anyway, with that in mind, I've been asking my community a lot, hey, what's your big, what's your number one challenge? Like what holds you back from making the changes you want to make in your life? And the number one thing, uh, and it's said in different ways using different language, but is how do I get myself to do what I know I need to do to change my life, right? It's like, I know I need to eat healthier. I know I need to quit smoking or drinking or whatever. I know I should wake up early. I know I should, I should, I should, I should, but I don't know. How do I get myself to do it? Right. So another way it's phrased sometimes is how do I develop self-discipline, right? Or willpower, you know, so, so different language from different people. The beauty of becoming a morning person, first thing I'll say on it is this. If you're like, dude, I'm not a morning person. If you've already like shut off and you're like, la, 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 like, I don't want to wake up early, Hal. Nothing you could say could convince me. Two things. First is I would encourage you to consider that if you want to improve your life in any area, you want to be happier, healthier, better parent, better spouse, want to have, have more money, whatever you want to change jobs, whatever area of your life you want to change, I would invite you to consider the distinction that I came across that got me to go from, dude, I'm not a morning person. Like what else can I model that success will do that doesn't involve waking up early? Cause that's not me. I've never been a morning person, which was my dialogue at that time. I came across so many articles that are like, start a morning routine. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Literally. I was like, I just wouldn't even read them. I just kept going. I was looking for personal development practices that didn't involve waking up early. And I finally saw so many articles on the power of morning, morning routine. And now this was back in 2007. So it wasn't near, that was 12 years ago. It wasn't nearly as public and prevalent as it is now. But I finally was like, okay, I'm going to read something like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll humor me. Like, why is being a morning person a good idea? Like, come on, right? Uh, and it was almost like, I'm like, I'm gonna, I want to prove that it's not necessary, you know? And here's what the distinction that I realized, and I hope you'll come to this realization if you're not a morning person. On the buffet of things you can do to improve your life, right? There's a buffet. You could have, you know, focus on productivity or time management or leadership or energy or whatever. On the buffet, how you start your day is not equal on that buffet. It is the linchpin to the rest of the buffet. It is arguably the single most important decision, distinction, change, commitment you can make to upgrade your entire life. Because how you start your day sets the tone, it sets the direction, and it sets the context for the rest of your day. In simple terms, if you win the morning, you put yourself in a peak position to win the rest of the day. And I often say that the miracle morning isn't about waking up early. It's about waking up better. In fact, one of my co-authors, Michael Mayer, he said that and I grabbed onto it because I love that, that, that it was a simple way to say it. Here's the idea. The miracle morning is about putting yourself in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state first thing in the morning. And it can take as little as six minutes, legitimately. Most people do it in an hour. A lot of people do it in 30 minutes, right? It could be anywhere in between in there. So you don't have to, it's not, it's not waking up super early. It's waking up maybe 30 minutes earlier than you do now, right? Nothing crazy, but for the benefits, right? I mean, you think about, is it worth waking up 30 minutes earlier to change your entire life? And, and, and the reason the miracle morning, you know, you mentioned that, you know, 2 million people around the world are, are have read the book and are doing this. It's not because I'm a great marketer. 
I mean, that's part of it. I like, I mean, I, I put some energy into marketing, you know, but it's word of mouth. 90% of our sales come from someone that reads the book, does the practice, it changes their life and they tell their friends and family and their coworkers. That's it. Yeah. That's how it came to me. Okay. There you go. You're living proof. Thank you. So that's the first thing I would say is this is worth you committing 30 minutes a day, 30 days of your life, and you will never look back. You'll be joining these millions of people. And the second thing I would say that's important, if you still are like, eh, I don't know, I don't know, it's for me. I was asked on an interview a couple of years ago, they said, Hal, the person interviewed me and said, Hal, I'm curious, what percentage of the, you know, the millions of people that do the Miracle Morning what percentage of them do you know were already morning people? Like maybe they were waking up and checking email or checking Facebook, right? Um, so, but, but they were already able to get up early, like no problem. So all they had to do was just flip Facebook or email with these pr- six practices, the savers that you teach in the, in the book, right? And then what percentage of them were like hardcore, I am not a morning person, I am a night owl, I hit the snooze button until the last possible moment to wake up, right? Which is how most of us do. And I didn't know the answer. And I thought, dang, I should know that. Like, I really should know that answer. So I surveyed our community and we got at that time, probably tens of thousands of responses. 72% said they had never been a morning person their entire life. Wow. So I share that because it's like, join the club. Like if you're, you know, if you're new to this whole, like if the idea of being a morning person is so foreign to you, there are well over 1 million people who discovered the miracle morning said, eh, not for me. Like, I don't even want to read this. Cause I don't even want to be like, I don't, I, I'm so not a morning person. And then it completely transformed that for them. So I want to say that. And then in terms of the, how to do it, and this applies to every change you want to make in your life. And then by the way, the beauty of making, starting with the morning as your first change is, as I said, it sets the tone, the context, the direction for the rest of your day. So when the alarm goes off every morning, and I'll tell you to beat the snooze button, by the way, make sure you remind me to include that, Brian. How do we beat the snooze button? Because that's a big one. Okay. Um, But when the alarm clock goes off in the morning, consider that that is life's first gift to you. It is life's first gift in the form of an opportunity, but it is also life's first challenge because I'd rather hit the snooze button. I don't care who you are, myself included. It is always easier to keep sleeping than to get your butt out of bed, right? I don't care who you are. That's right. And and no surprise because it's pretty much always easier to keep doing whatever it is we're doing. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You just gave a hint to the secret to making change. Like you actually, like you just kind of foreshadowing there. Yeah. That's literally in one sentence, it's, it's easier to do what we're already doing than to do something different. Therefore, that's why it's hard to make change. So we'll talk about how to do that. But the point is when you start your day with the discipline of getting out of bed in the morning, uh, you now tell your subconscious, I am a disciplined individual. I just got out of bed, even though I was tempted to keep sleeping. Therefore, you now are beginning your day as a better version of the person that when you went to bed the night before, you are now a more disciplined person. And that version of you spills into every part of your day. Like I said, the miracle morning is about starting your day in a peak state so you can affect the rest of your day. Yeah. And, and how on that point, this was another thing. You probably had this experience that you can hear the same thing said by a different person. Maybe they say it in a slightly different way, or you hear the same thing at a different time and it just lands depth or a, a new dimension to it. And something you said in the miracle, uh, in the miracle morning was like that for me, which is why every choice is so important because every choice is the representation of who you're becoming in that moment. So there, there is no cheating. There is no off days. 
you know, just like you're saying, this decision to get out of bed, boom, it's representative of of the kind of person that you're committed to being or the person you're becoming. That thought to me was just so amazing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and that to me, I have probably my most, you know, I write a lot of quotes and I post them on social media and stuff. And probably the most quote, the quote I'm most well known for that people share the most when they see it is that what you're doing is far less important than who you're becoming. And yet the irony is it's what you're doing that's determining who you're becoming, right? This is one of those, it's like, it's so simple, but it's kind of Zen. It's, yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, yeah, right. It's like, but so like when you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed, even though you felt like sleeping in and it would have been easier, you are now becoming a better version of yourself, right? By doing that activity, right? Yeah, so it's not the activity that holds the, as much value as who you become, right? And every choice that we make determines who we become. And so, you know, sadly, I think uh, too many of us, and I was this way for most of my life, and I'm still this way, I'm sure in certain ways, but we, we go through life kind of unconscious or consciously incompetent where we're like, yeah, I know I should do better. I know I should, I know, right? And that's where we'll get into that right now. How do you make those changes? So here's the deal. You have to first understand why you why it is difficult to change and why we don't change. And you already said it, simply because it is easier to keep doing what you've always done than to do anything different, even a little bit different. But the good news, this is the great news, is the key to transforming your life. And I'm literally talking about going from wherever you are now to like your wildest dreams, okay? If that doesn't excite you, I don't know what does, but it's simply getting yourself, you start with baby steps. You start so small. In fact, I'll talk in a sec, Mark Victor Hansen, what he talks about leaning into it, but you simply do the thing that my, my mentor taught me this when I was 20. He said, Hal, the secret to success is very simple. Do the right thing, not the easy thing. And the right thing is almost always a little out of your comfort zone, but not a lot, just a little for the most part. But the right thing is whatever the thing is that moves you closer to the, your highest aspirations for yourself and your life. He said, but it's as little as you want to, he goes, if you want to lose a hundred pounds, just set in a, like, that's a big grandiose goal, right? But it's as simple as getting in the car every day at a predetermined time with a packed gym bag. That's it. Don't think about the workout. Don't think about, no. He said, if you get in the car with a gym bag packed, where are you probably going to drive, right? Well, you know, you're, you got the gym bag, you're, 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 you're going to the gym, you know? And, and he goes, don't think about it. Don't, don't in the car, just listen to the radio and smile. He said, don't think about, oh, that treadmill is going to be so hard. And I'm, he goes, no, don't, that's what we do. We think ourselves out of doing the right thing. And that's what keeps us stuck. He said, identify what the activities are that will move you toward your highest aspirations and then make them so easy to do. And so human nature is to do the easy thing. And by the way, let me explain that why. We'll go a little deeper on this. If you think about cavemen and cave women, okay? And I wasn't around back then, so I'm, you know, I, we're gonna use common sense and, 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 and what, you know, our theory. You think about, it was a very different society, right? A, as a cave person, your job was like, you, we are our human nature. So that's where our human nature came from, right? And it, yeah, it's, it's evolved a bit, but our human nature was to survive. We are survived like that as a species, we survive. You went out, the only time you did anything, the only time you did the right thing was when you were still hungry. 
And then you went out and you're like, oh, I got to go hunting, <laughs> right? Oh, what a pain in the ass. I'd rather lay around the cave. But you're like, I'm starving. I, so you went out and you got off your butt. You did the right thing, you're right? You, you, your aspiration was to eat. And you went out and you hunted. But here's the deal, Brian, we weren't achievers. You didn't hunt and then go take your, you know, your, the buffalo back and then be like, all right, I want to win on the leaderboard. I want to, I want to make sure that I have the most, right. That's how we live our, like society has conditioned us different today. Yeah. That my buffalo is bigger than the guy in the next cave. You know, you're like, dude, I got meat. Hey, you went home. Hey, sweetheart. Hey kids, we're going to eat for the next three months. We're going to get fat. We're going to get lazy. And the only reason that you went out to work again, to hunt again, is because you were out of buffalo meat. We live in a society now where we actually want financial freedom and we want these things. We want health and we want, and by the way, the lifespan back then was what, like 20 or 30 years, right? So that was, so, so we should evolve beyond that. But if you understand that as a human being, you are not wired to achieve all of the things that you want to achieve in your life, you know, and in some ways I could almost give you a pat on the back and say, it's not your fault. Like it's not your, it's not our fault. Right. I feel so much better now. (laughs) Yeah. But, but it is your fault if you are now aware and go, Oh, okay. I understand what's holding me back and I understand what I need to do to change my life. And if I don't, if I, if I consciously, if I don't choose to do the things, the right thing versus the easy thing, then you deserve whatever you get, right? In life, you don't get things because you're a good person. You get things, and I believe you should be a good person, of course, but you get what you deserve, right? You get what you deserve. And I think, you know, I talked to somebody recently about that and they're like, yeah, I've realized, oh, it was actually, it was a relative of mine who's 30 and still lives at home, uh, who I love dearly. But he said, Hal, I realized, he goes, I always thought that life was just gonna work itself out because I'm a good person and I deserve good things. And he goes, and it finally hit me I have to do the things to produce income, for example, if I want to get out of my parents' house, right? You know what I mean, right? And so um, anyway, so understand that the reason that it's hard to change is because as a human being, you are wired to do the minimum that you have to do to not die. That's literally what you're programmed to do. The evolution of human, that's what you're programmed to do. And if you want to elevate beyond just living the most mediocre, minimal life that you can, right? You have to go, okay, what do I want? Write it down, put it on paper, okay? You can call it goals, right? Um, What are the things that I need to do? What must I do? And then here's what Mark Victor Hansen said. I mentioned earlier that I was gonna share this lesson. I love this lesson and I think about it all the time. Let me be really clear. For people that are listening and they're like, dude, Hal's like this energized, motivated, like, you know, man, some of you already turned it off because I'm so intense. I, I apologize. <laughs> and, and this is his job. It's what he does all day. He gets paid for. It's easy for him. Yeah. No, you have to understand that uh, who I was my entire life. Okay. So uh, for the first 19 years of my life, I was what I would call very average or mediocre. You could use those words interchangeably. I was a C and D student. I, I never played sports in school, so I wasn't an athlete. Um, I wasn't very popular. You know, I got picked on a lot, right? I, I struggled with fear and insecurity and self-doubt. In other words, I was just a normal person, right? I mean, I was the average person. And 
I was very fortunate when I was 19 years old, I got hired uh, by Cutco Cutlery to try my hand at sales. And I really only took the job to get my buddy Teddy off of my back because he kept bugging me to give it a shot. And I'm like, okay, I'll try it. I'll try it. I'll try it. I'll try it. Well, the manager, my manager, my mentor, Jesse Levine was one of the most he was an achiever, right? I mean, and he under, he was a great, he, in fact, he was the number one manager in the entire company out of hundreds, right? So, I mean, he was brilliant. Wow, how lucky for you. Yeah, exactly. I was very fort. I was very fortunate. So he managed my mindset and he led me and he taught me and he believed in me when I was insecure. And I'm like, I, I can't do that. And he's like, Hal, you can do it. I will tell you exactly, do these things the right things, and you will see results. And I'm like, okay. And so the only reason that I got off my lazy butt is because he held me accountable. He would call me in the morning. He would call me at night and he would like, he would just wake me up, put me to bed, manage my mindset throughout until I caught up to that. Right. I think a really important um, philosophy is sometimes you have to believe in the belief that someone else has in you until your belief catches up. And whether it's me or you, Brian, believing in your listeners, your viewers, right? Like you can do this. One of the most fundamental beliefs I think we all have to adopt is that anything another human being has overcome or accomplished is evidence that that or something better is possible for you too. You are just as worthy, deserving, and, and, and capable of overcoming or accomplishing anything in your life as any other person on the planet. Yeah, that's it's such an empowering belief. It's probably not the one that most of us have from childhood, but the fact that it's a belief we can choose to hold. I think already is really remarkable. We have to choose to hold it because we all suffer from what I call rear view mirror syndrome. But you read that in the Miracle Morning, right? Like that we have this rear view mirror in our subconscious. And whenever we're faced with an opportunity or a challenge, we check the rear view and you go, well, who am I? We literally think that we look in our past and that's how we define our future and our present. We go, who am I? Who have I been in the past? Oh, that's, and we, that informs who we think we are. But the reality is you're whoever you choose to be. Yeah. Right. And so I didn't have self-worth for, in fact, I still struggle with insecurity and self-worth and I use affirmations. I use written statements to remind me how you are just as capable as any other person on the planet. In fact, I had a realization yesterday um, during my meditation. I go, why do I always speak of myself as less than than the people I look up to like Tony Robbins or Brendan Burchard? I've always, I've noticed, and I do it unconsciously because I have this insecurity, this unbelief that goes, no, they're them. Like I'm just little old me. And then I realized I, like, I, I go, I'm impacting millions of people. Like I'm a peer to the, like we're peers. We're, yeah. we're on our own journeys. We're impacting in our own way, but I'm like, why do I? So I literally am still struggling with this. Like trying to have, you know, overcome that imposter syndrome and develop a real sense of self-worth that I'm just as worthy, deserving and capable. I'm an equal to every other person on the planet. I just have to choose to believe it and then live in alignment with it. Mark Victor Hansen, sorry, this is how I roll. I go all over the place. Mark Victor Hansen simply taught a very simple lesson. I saw him speak probably 10 years ago. And he said, uh, when it comes to making change, people get overwhelmed because they try to imagine their brain has trouble seeing the journey and it just sees the end result. And they look at where they are now and they feel overwhelmed with how far away they are from where they want to be. It's like that example I gave of somebody that wants to lose a hundred pounds. That's overwhelming. So they do nothing 
all they have to do is get in the gym bag with the gym, you know, or get in the car with the gym bag every day. And then once they're there, just they'll feel compelled to walk in and work out. And then they'll reinforce, hey, this feels good. I feel proud of myself. I'm making progress. And it'll perpetuate and get easier and easier and easier and easier until they lose five pounds and then 10 and then 20 and then 30 and then 50 and then 100, right? And all it took was getting in the car with a gym bag. That's it. That's all it took. That's the secret to success. And by the way, that is a, a principle taught by uh, John Maxwell. He says, the secret is to act your way into feeling. Meaning, take that first baby step, that gym bag, in the, getting in the car with a gym bag without thinking the rest of the way through. Just knowing that I'm getting in the car with a gym bag and I know in the back of my mind, the plan is to drive to the gym, right? The plan, and when I get there, I know that I'm going to walk in like I'm there. And yeah. then I know when I walk in, I'm going to, I'm going to, the music's pumping. People are on the treadmill. I'm going to be like, ah, I guess I'll put the clothes on that are in the bag. <laughs> right. But it's like, it all boiled down. And for me, when I was in sales, it was, I hated making calls. Everybody hates making calls. Right. And, um, I would just, every day I had a, a timer went off that said, call the first person in your referral notebook and don't think about it. I love that. Because I would always talk myself out and be like, oh, I can procrastinate for another hour. Oh, I can do another hour. And, and every salesperson will tell you this. And then it turns into the end of the day and you're like, I'll just do it tomorrow. Right. And then the year ends and you, you, you're no, you didn't hit your goals again, right? Or the week or the month or the year ends. Yeah. And so for me, I realized that when I learned the act your way into feeling principle from John Maxwell, I would just, when the alarm went off, I, if my brain would start to try to rationalize not making my calls, I would go la, 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 la. And I'd walk over and grab my phone, la, 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 la. I'd open my referral notebook, la, la, la. And I would dial the first number. And then I'd be like, oh crap, I got to, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? <laughs> but I literally became one of the top salespeople in the history of our company by dialing the nine digits or whatever it was in my referral notebook within the time. And then here's the beauty of it. When you act your way into feeling, once I made the first call, I overcame the inertia and I just made the next call and the next call and the next call and the next call. And the next call. Yep. But if you want to lose hundred pounds and make, you know, six figures this year, just get in the car with a gym bag every day or pick up the phone and dial that. You know what I mean? And that applies to everything, writing a book, you know, everything, everything. Nexus IT helps companies of all sizes manage their information technology with hyper-responsive, white-glove IT support and services to handle the most basic tasks, like monitoring and maintenance, to the more complex projects like digital transformation. Visit their website at nexusitc.net. I love that, and, and I'm often amazed at how inertia can mean either remaining at rest or remaining in motion. And now yes, what you're describing yes. is it's working for us. And that rear view mirror thing is working for us because we have this set of references that tell us who we are. But at the same time, we have the awareness that who we are is the choices we're making, who we're becoming in every moment it is so beautiful. How, let me, let me transition us. And, and, and I do want to leave time to hear, I want to hear about the alarm clock. Okay. <laughs> and I do oh, want yeah. to ask you one question about the, we'll, we'll, we'll save that as the, as the bonus at the end. Yeah. Okay. So the enlightening lightning round. Please complete the following sentence with something other than a box of chocolates. Life is like a miracle. Number two, what's something at which you wish you were better? Uh, details. Number three, if you were required every day for the rest of your life to wear a t-shirt with a slogan on it or a phrase or a saying or a quote or a quip, what would the shirt say? How can I help you make your life better today? Number four, what book other than one of your own have you gifted or recommended most often? Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. 
Um, it is one of the most profound. So A, it's not a religious, it's a spiritual book for sure. But if anybody is anti-religious, uh, highly, I still recommend it. I just want to make, you know, just give a little disclaimer on that. But it is, um, it's just ima- imagine this, put your skepticism aside and it'll come back when you start reading the book as it has for the 10 million people that have read that book. Again, word of mouth. Neil is not a marketer at all. So you have to ask yourself if 10 million people plus have read that book and the guy that wrote it didn't really market it. It just went viral. There must be something to that. Um, but just imagine this. Okay. And again, I know you're going to be like all your skeptical, be like, wee, 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 they're going to go off. But imagine if you literally, if there was something or someone named God and you could talk to him and you could ask him any question that you had and he would answer you, would that be worth your time. And, uh, and in that book, of course, the, the answer, you know, you're like, yeah, right. This guy's a, you know, just a clever idea. He's talking to God. I don't buy it. Right. That's what I thought when I started reading it, but you're like, all right, if you keep reading, you go. So you read the first question. You're like, oh, I would love to actually ask God that. And I would, I wonder what he would say. And you're like, all right, let's hear what this joker has to say. Right. <laughs> you know, when he pretends to be God and then you keep reading and you're like, oh, I don't know if that was God or just this guy, Neil, but damn, is that profound? Damn, is that, darn, is that, is that wise? And is that useful in my life? If I implemented that, my life would be better. And then the next question gets asked and you're like, oh, I'm actually really curious on this one too. And then you read it and you're like, holy crap, this (laughs) is pro, right? So that's the point. Is whether Neil is talking to God, I don't know. Whether Neil's just a super smart guy, whether it's his own, you know, I don't know. We all have that voice in our head, right? Um, The answers from that book have have radically transformed my life and, you know, tens of million or 10 million lives uh, as well. So that's a long answer to your question, but there you go. No, thank you. I think this is my hypothesis, by the way, that's part of why the miracle morning is so powerful is that it invites people to create a space in their life to receive that kind of inspiration and direct experience for themselves. So you travel a ton. Yeah. What's one travel hack, meaning something you do or something you take with you when you travel to make your travel less painful or more enjoyable? Ooh, one is a, a, a website called TripIt, T-R-I-P-I-T.com. And what you do with that is whenever you get your emails for your flight, your car rental, your hotel, you just forward them to this email address and it creates in the app your entire itinerary based on time, where you need to be. It figures out what the gate is, everything. And here's the crazy part. I've been on flights before where um, I get a notification from TripIt that says, hey, the gate has changed. And I, I, I remember this one, I told the flight and I go, hey, I go, so I go, they moved the gate to see, and she goes, uh, no, I don't think so. And, and then she calls, she's like, wow, you're right. So wow. I go, wow, the app figured it out before the actual, even you know, the people on the plane. So yeah, so that's a really co- a cool little hack. Wow, that's great. Thank you for that. What's one thing you wish every American knew? Um, that they are truly capable of creating a life that they truly love. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more, obviously, like what we talked about today. I wish they knew about this podcast episode, actually, so yeah. they could hear that. But, but that's it. I mean, is to realize that um, you don't have to settle for less than you want. You can live the most extraordinary life you can imagine. And all it's, it's just a matter of you becoming the person that you need to be through daily personal development and then taking 
simple baby steps every day to move in the direction of your biggest goals and dreams. And if you do those two things, if you learn and grow every day and you do at least one thing that moves you closer to the the life of your dreams, as cliche as that might sound, right? You cannot fail. The only variable is timing. You'll eventually get there. That's beautiful. You know, I'm going to count that as the answer to whatever I what whatever I would have asked you about your advice or encouragement for people engaged in the creative process. There you go. Yeah. Just in works, the interest of time. And what, what I want to do as well is I just want to reserve a moment. I know we didn't talk about it and uh, maybe there will be a part two someday. Sure. But I just want to acknowledge your latest book, The Miracle Equation. The two decisions- Right there, if you're watching the video, it's right there. <laughs> yes, the two decisions that move your biggest goals from possible to probable to inevitable. And I love what you say about unwavering faith plus extraordinary effort equals miracles. Yeah. Such a beautiful, such a beautiful equation. The biggest thing I'd encourage you to do that will add the most value to your life, I believe, now and over the long run, is scroll down on the MiracleMorning.com homepage, and you'll see a big, you know, square or rectangle that says, join the community. And as you mentioned earlier, the Miracle Morning community online has over 200,000 members that wake up every day, log in, not all of them, but thousands of them do log in every single day and support each other. And um, that uh, it's become one of the most engaged, really non-judgmental, empathetic, loving and supportive communities online or offline that I have ever seen or been a part of. And um, and if you're new to the Miracle Morning journey, you'll be you know, there's every day, you know, roughly a thousand people join the community or, or a few hundred, I think. And so you'll have people that are on day one, but people that have been doing the Miracle Morning for well over a thousand days in a row. And you go in there, and you say, hey, I'm new. I want an accountability partner or, hey, how, what's your tips on visualization or meditation or journaling or, you know, there's just it's such a great place to, to connect and get support from like minded people. Yeah, amazing. That supportiveness, that non-judgmental, that helpfulness is probably the exact opposite of what a lot of the people listening to this experience from their peer group or their family. So what a wonderful alternative. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So the last thing uh, I want to just let you know, there's an expression of gratitude to you for making time to share of your knowledge and experience with me and our listeners. I've gone online to kiva.org and I've made a hundred dollar micro loan to an entrepreneur in Egypt. Awesome. Uh, she will use this to help buy cattle and feed and support her family and improve the quality of life in her community. So thank you for, for making that possible. You're welcome. And wait, but Brian, I have to say thank you. And do you know what else you did by making that loan and telling me about it? Tell me. You just, you just made probably hundreds of those loans through me because that just inspired the heck out of me. And I am going to start doing that on every single one of my podcasts. Oh my goodness. That is so awesome. Well, I'm so glad. Okay. Well, then the very last thing, I'm really touched by that. Um, So this thing about the alarm clock. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We we can't go in. So, all right. So I'll give you the short version. In the Miracle Morning book, there is a chapter dedicated to this exact thing. It's called the five steps snooze proof wake up strategy. It's kind of a cheesy, cute little fun, whatever title. Um, But I'm going to give you the most important of the five steps. The single most important step, and I've, I've had CEOs tell me this was the game changer for them, um, is move your alarm clock as far across the room as possible. So it forces you to actually get out of bed, stand upright, breathe in oxygen, walk across the room, and actually wake up to turn it off. Because the biggest reason most of us hit the snooze button 
often without even being fully aware of it is that it's within arm's reach. And if it's within arm's reach, your level of discipline when it goes off is at about a zero, maybe like a 0.04 or whatever, right? (laughs) But when you had to get out of bed, walk across the room, for me, I keep mine in my bathroom on the counter. When you have to walk into the bathroom, right? All of a sudden now you're awake and it's a hundred times easier. Now that's a made up number. It's, you know, it's arbitrary, but it's much easier to stay awake and maintain that discipline to keep moving forward, brush your teeth, wash your face, drink a glass of water, implement the other four steps in that, in that chapter that you'll read. Um, right. But the biggest one is to keep your alarm clock across the room. I love that. And by the way, I want you to know that I drank a glass of water first thing upon rising this morning, which I don't normally do because of you and your book. That's another step. Yes. You just gave away another one. That's right. Hydrate. Because if you sleep for six, seven, eight hours, you are dehydrated by default in the morning and dehydration and fatigue go hand in hand. So you got to hydrate first thing in the morning, or at least after you brush your teeth, one of the two. Yeah. Well, Hal, and and thank you. Um, I hope you're, you're doing okay with your, your cancer treatment. I am. I had chemo yesterday, but, uh, and I'll be in bed all day tomorrow. That's when it hits me. But, uh, but I am, I'm, 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 this is maintenance chemo because I, the cancer's gone and they kind of tapered off over the three years after the hardcore chemo treatment, uh, to, to, to just make sure any lingering cancer is all being targeted and gotten rid of so that I can live the rest of my life cancer-free, which I have unwavering faith that, uh, that that'll happen. So thank you. I appreciate that, Brian. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. I will connect with you somewhere down the road. I look forward to the time we meet in person, whenever, wherever it is. The next time you're in Salt Lake, please let me know. You're always welcome as a guest in our home. Thank you, brother. I'd love to see you in person. Despite living in an age where we have more comforts and conveniences than ever before, life isn't working for many people. Whether it's in the developed world, where we're dealing with depression, anxiety, addiction, divorce, jobs we hate, relationships that don't work, or people in the developing world who don't have access to clean water or sanitation or healthcare or education or who live in conflict zones. There's a lot of people on the planet that life isn't working very well for. If you're one of those people, I invite you to connect with me at goodliving.com. I've created Life's Best Practices Breakthrough Coaching to help you navigate the transitions that we all go through. Whether you've just graduated school, you're going through a divorce, you just got married, you're headed into retirement, you're starting a business, you just lost your job, whatever it is you're facing, I've developed a 36-week course that you go through with me and a community of achievers and seekers who are committed to improving their own lives and the lives of others. So through this online program, you will have the opportunity to go deep into every area of your life, explore life's big questions, create answers for yourself in community get clarity and accountability. If that's something you're interested to learn about, I invite you to contact me directly at brian at brianmiller.com or by visiting goodliving.com.